Fishing for a show aimed at the outdoor enthusiast? Tune in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, Saturday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147, and on the Sirius XM app. Welcome in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. If you love fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors, and want to make it even better, you're in the right place. With host Rob Keck, your adventure starts right here. Good morning and welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, where truly, your adventure starts right here. I'm Rob Keck, your host, and it is great to be with you. And what a special, fun show we have for you today. Our guests today are avid outdoorsmen, deeply committed conservationists, and one is a former governor of the state of Georgia and now the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue. He's been with us before. And following the secretary is a former U.S. congressman from Florida who is now the CEO of Ducks Unlimited, Mr. Adam Putnam. And during our last part of the show, we'll have the Sportsman's Channel sporting chef, Scott Laseth, who will bring us a recipe on duck tacos and more well we're going to be talking conservation talking hunting and wild game cooking but we're privileged to have with us today a great american and a passionate sportsman he served our country in the united states air force where he achieved the rank of captain he was the 81st governor of the state of georgia and upon his inauguration as governor back in 2003 became the first republican governor of the peach state since reconstruction well today he is serving as the 31st Secretary of Agriculture, a cabinet post he assumed back in April of 2017, and I couldn't think of a better, more qualified person to lead this agency. But I know him best for his love of hunting, especially turkey hunting, and also for his legendary wing shooting skills. And according to our mutual friend, former Georgia Congressman Lindsey Thomas, you won't want to get into a sporting clays competition with this man because he will run the course. Well, that said, I want to welcome one of the nicest, kindest, and most thoughtful people in the whole world, my good friend, our good friend, Sonny Perdue. Mr. Secretary, welcome back to Outdoor World. Thanks for joining us. Rob, with that introduction, it's going to be hard to live up to. You're very kind. I uh want you to know I've appreciated your friendship for many years and uh, obviously your contribution to conservation and uh, the outdoors for a long, long time. And it's good to visit with you during this great time, this season of life. Well, it is great. And, you know, it's hunting season, too. And over the entire country, you can hunt just about anything from upland game to big game. And I'm just hoping, I'm hoping you've had a chance with all that's going on in Washington, a chance to enjoy the thrill of the hunt this fall. Have you been? Well, I have to admit, I've done a little bit of wing shooting here, both on quail and uh, and ducks, which I enjoy both, and uh, it's been great, and uh, obviously, you know that uh, bird we both love to chase. I'm always <laughs> looking forward to wild turkey season. Well, for sure. You know, Mr. Secretary, many people don't realize that our national forests are managed under the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and recently, there's been a shift in the Forest Service approach to cooperative land management. And I think uh, it's referred to as shared stewardship. Would you care to share uh, a little bit about this and and the goal of this approach? Yes. Uh, while you're correct, Rob, in that the U.S. Forest Service is, uh, which owns millions of acres in the uh, uh, as stewards for the taxpayers across this country, uh, 
we believe that in the good neighbor policy, and that means that it's really owned by everyone, and we're stewards, uh, really just land managers for the public. And we believe in multiple uses, obviously for economic activity, for the production that these forests can do, but more so or, or also in the wildlife and recreation. And we've just seen a bonanza in the public using the uh, the wildlife activities, both fishing, hunting, uh, bird watching, and other things. And uh, our goals are to make uh, uh, to give our public a great opportunity to explore. As you know, as we get less and less private land available, uh, much of the public uh, we encourage to get out on our public lands. And uh, shared stewardship is just a recognition with our state partners and our local partners, down to the county and tribe level, that uh, we're all in this together. And that we wanted to have policies that allow people to utilize the uh, our national forests in a safe, productive way, both from uh, recreation, from uh, uh, timber production, and from water quality and wildlife growth. All those things are multiple uses that we all know. Those of us who are outdoors know that uh, the forest can provide. It's just a real it's a real delight for me to see our forests being used that way and the shared stewardship uh, creating opportunities for them. Well, you know, I think Gifford Pinchot would be very, very proud of you and, uh, you know, looking at what you're doing, the, the greatest good for the greatest number. And, uh, you know, I think it is, is so important. And, you know, next I want to ask you, you know, regulatory reform and, and streamlining appears to be a real priority. And over the last two years under your leadership, you know, the Forest Service has introduced a, a comprehensive budget policy and, and regulatory reforms that address your request to reduce, and I, I emphasize reduce regulation, increase efficiency, provide good customer service, and support to our rural economies. Why don't you elaborate on that? Tell us about how you and the agency are achieving that. Rob, over a period of years, we became risk-averse. As you might know, these lands are owned by everyone, but we don't all have the same thinking about how they should be utilized. And uh, our Forest Service became very risk-averse from uh, lawsuits that may be, uh, may be brought by extreme environmental groups that didn't want anything to be done. You and I both know that healthy forests have to be managed. They have to be uh, cleaned and thinned for insect protection, for fire protection, and other things. And we'd gotten into a situation in the U.S. Forest Service where we were uh, forbidden and litigated and uh, enjoined from doing the things that made healthy forests. You also know that uh, uh, healthy forests are better for wildlife, and that's one of our passions, and uh, that creates better wildlife, both fish and uh, and uh, animals, and uh, so it, it all works good. We are kind of unwrapping all that bubble wrap that we put around ourselves to try to avoid lawsuits, which we were not successful in doing anyway, and make common sense reasonable, looking at people uh, with straight face and saying, this makes sense for everyone. A healthy forest where we can thin or, or prevent insects and those and fire, those are the kind of things you've seen the fire ravaging across the United States, even in the southeast and the southwest, and certainly in the west over these years, it's because we're so far behind the curve in really creating healthy forests that uh, help facilitate all these multiple uses. Yeah. Well, you're, you're absolutely correct. And some of that litigation that has been filed against the Forest Service, I mean, it just has kept us from managing the way we need to. And 
Uh, you know, as you pointed out, our national forests are tremendous national treasures, and, and they do. They provide that wildlife habitat and, you know, the recreational opportunities for so many. You look at the wood fiber and, and the economic vitality uh, for America, and uh, as you have just pointed out, you know, these same forests have these management challenges. When you look at, at pests, whether it's with, you know, beetles and and dealing with disease and heavy fuel loads and, and these horrific wildfires. I mean, it captures the attention uh, of, of the media. And with the increase of these wildfires, especially across the West, I know it's been a real challenge financially and otherwise over you know the last two decades. But under your leadership, you're working to reduce that wildfire risk and making progress. Why don't you tell us specifically how you're achieving this and making our forests better managed? If you would, Rob, as you know, we can't we can't prevent hurricanes or we can't prevent tornadoes, but we can do good forest management practices to help prevent forest fires. We're not going to stop all of them, but reducing that fuel load is a big part of that. Whether it's through prescribed burning or through uh, mechanical harvesting or just thinning non-commercial forest layer, it makes for a more beautiful landscape. It makes for safer environment, better wildlife. We're doing that as well as uh, doing the other things that make sense. We're allowing uh, harvest. These are these are long-term crops. This is a huge asset for the American public out here, and particularly for those communities where these forests are located. They used to uh, they used to employ thousands of people there in the Forest Service, and uh, it, they don't any longer because of. Uh, prohibitions that we've been unable to harvest in that way so uh this uh make it makes sense for everybody economically uh, recreationally you mentioned the economic aspect let me just give you a factor that's pretty important about recreational hunting fishing and wildlife watching on our national forests and grasslands contributed 1.2 billion dollars to local communities and 2.22 billion to our nation's gross domestic profit so it's a big deal economically as well well, I appreciate the common sense that you've brought to the agency. Of Well, look, that's going to take us to our, our first break of the show. And, folks, we return going to continue our visit with Secretary Purdue. This and a whole lot more coming right up. And I'm Rob Keck, your host, and we will be right back. I'm Larry Weissen, life member of the Dallas Safari Club, and I'd like to invite you to become a member of the world's finest outdoor conservation organization whose mission revolves around wildlife conservation, education, and hunter advocacy. DSC is a worldwide organization comprised of like-minded outdoor people who have granted more than $4 million in the last two years in support of projects involved in the scientific-based management of wildlife and habitat. To learn more and become a member, please go to biggame.org. Hey everybody, I'm Easton Corbin, and I grew up in the smallest county in the state of Florida, and that's a long ways from Nashville, let alone elk country. But I've been hunting all my life, and I've always dreamed of chasing elk. When I came out west and heard my first bugle, I was hooked. I just had to roll with it. Now I want to make sure that dream will be here for tomorrow's hunters. If you feel the same way, make a difference and join the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation by going to www.rmef.org. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And if you've just tuned in, we're visiting with the 31st Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue. 
Mr. Secretary, tell us about the economic contributions, uh, again, from recreational fishing, wildlife viewing, and hunting on the National Forest System lands. You mentioned those numbers, but they're worth repeating again because I think the general public doesn't understand how big this really is. Rob, I know you and I are passionate about enjoying this, but this blew me away <laughs> when I realized how many other people in America are, are so passionate about getting out into our forests as well. But I was indicating that through recreational hunting, fishing, and just simply wildlife watching on national forests and grasslands contributed $1.2 billion to local communities and $2.22 billion to our nation's gross domestic products. So for the wildlife industry, this is really important, and uh, the economy just, you know, you know, hunters and fishermen are going to spend money on things, and, uh, and they, uh, they really uh, ramp up the economy in these communities where we have the opportunity to, to exercise the, our privileges in the American forest. Yeah. Well, I just appreciate the active wildlife habitat management that you're overseeing and it's taking place in the Forest Service. There's another issue that we're dealing with right now, and we know that chronic wasting disease is a progressive, fatal, degenerative, neurological disease of free-ranging and farmed deer, elk, and moose. And, you know, it continues to spread, and there's great concern in the wildlife and hunting community. But you have, and, and you're Forest Service scientists are working on early detection of CWD. Quickly, can you just share a little bit about that? Yeah, not only in our Forest Service, but our Animal Plant Health Inspection Service are also very active in that. As you know, in some states allow cervid farming themselves, and uh, we want to make sure that we're part of the solution, not part of the problem, and uh, for those who want to grow uh, uh, grow wildlife in that way or grow, grow uh, the cervids here. So, that's that's why it's very important. We uh, chronic wasting disease is a very serious disease that's spread to multiple states, and uh, we're doing everything we can from uh, uh, of lab testing and other identification techniques to make sure that uh, we're as safe as we can be when it comes to the spread of this uh, chronic disease. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, you've been duck hunting this fall. And of course, water fowl seasons are, you know, they're open right now across the country. And there's provisions in the farm bill that are extremely important to waterfowl and, of course, to other wildlife, especially as it pertains to habitat. Just very quickly, if you would, share with our listeners the importance of the Conservation Reserve Program, better known to many people as CRP. Well, CRP obviously is a huge. Uh advantage for our wildlife and i want to just compliment our conservation groups that you're very familiar with that have been so extremely helpful in helping uh government can't do everything and we've got some wonderful conservation groups uh, across the country that participate with us in a lot of species specific uh, associations where people are passionate and they're bringing a lot of dollars to the table as well we love these kind of partners that cooperate with us in conservation measures to uh help us achieve uh, these things. CRP, where farmers also participate, is a great way to do that as well, using their land and uh, rather than cropping it on some of the least productive land, farming that maybe would not be economically feasible, the CRP program allows them to put that in a set-aside where they can grow uh, maybe uh, uh, wildlife and not corn and beans. So that, uh, that makes a lot of sense and makes, uh, makes our recreationists happy and typically makes our farmers happy because they have a better overall yield with more profitability. 
Well, I salute you for getting out of Washington, going to the farms, the farms and ranches across America, get a, a glimpse of some of the real success stories that uh, you've pointed out. We're just about out of time here in the last 20 seconds. Mr. Secretary, give us a final thought you'd like our listeners to hear from you. Well, again, Rob, this is a wonderful opportunity uh, at USDA here for me as a as a conservationist, as a outdoor enthusiast, as a farmer. Uh, this is a dream job, and I just want to thank all the men and women across America who uh, produce our food and fiber, and uh, they are they are just a they embody the American spirit. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks for your valuable time, and congratulations on your leadership and the wonderful contributions you've made on behalf of sportsmen and women, farmers, ranchers, landowners, and all Americans. And good luck on your next hunt. Folks, when we return, we're going to visit with the CEO of Ducks Unlimited, Adam Putnam. I'm Rob Keck, your host, right here in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Thanks for joining us, and we will be right back. We are the young minds that will shape tomorrow's world. But today, the world is in your hands. What's your vision for the future? Since 1937, Ducks Unlimited has been the world leader in wetlands and waterfowl conservation. And we've had the same vision for the future for more than 75 years. A future with clean water, abundant wildlife, plenty of places to enjoy nature, and wetlands, sufficient to fill the skies with waterfowl today, tomorrow, and forever. Sure, there's still a whole lot of work to be done, but we know we can turn things around together because we are the next generation of DU conservationists. And with a little help from you, our future is looking really bright. Ducks Unlimited, working for conservation for generations to come. A public service from Ducks Unlimited. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And thanks for joining us. And if you've just tuned in, we're introducing our next guest, Mr. Adam Putnam. Well, Adam is the CEO of Ducks Unlimited, North America's largest wetlands and waterfowl conservation organization. And Adam's been with DU since April 1 of this year, and he was previously Commissioner of Agriculture for the state of Florida. He led the nation's largest state Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services and was responsible for the management of 1.3 million acres of state forests and running the state energy office and directing the state school nutrition programs. Well, prior to serving as commissioner, Adam served five terms in the U.S. House of Representatives. Elected in 2000, he was the youngest member of Congress at that time and the youngest ever from the state of Florida. Well, while in D.C., he distinguished himself as a, as a leading voice for specialty crop agriculture in the nation's farm bill, international trade and food safety. And Adam served as co-chairman of the Congressional Sportsman's Caucus, and, and that's where I first got to meet him when I served on that board of the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. As a member on the Agriculture, Financial Services, and Rules Committee and as chairman of the subcommittee of the Government Reform and Oversight, he's a fifth-generation Floridian and a lifelong farmer, rancher, hunter, angler, and conservationist. I want to welcome Adam Putnam, the CEO of Ducks Unlimited. What a pleasure to be with you this morning. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'll tell you, it's just great to be here. You know, to have you here, you know, it's duck season all across the country, and, uh, you know, gosh, couldn't be a more appropriate time to talk about it. But, Adam, I understand you've had the opportunity to spend some time with, with the guy I work for, Johnny Morris, the founder of Bass Pro Shops, uh, and uh, 
you've you've met with Johnny since you started. Do you can you tell us a little bit about your time together and maybe what you and Johnny have discussed? You know, when you think about the great conservationists uh, in North American history, Teddy Roosevelt comes to mind. But Johnny Morris, if you were uh, sculpting another Mount Rushmore of great conservationists, Johnny Morris would be on it. What Bass Pro Shops and Johnny personally do to promote our conservation organizations, to educate the next generation of hunters and anglers, to enthusiastically um, market the hunting and angling and family heritage of outdoor activities is extraordinary. And you can walk into nearly any Bass Pro Shops uh, anywhere that they exist, and you'll see the Ducks Unlimited Shield, and you'll see the Turkey Federation Shield, and you'll see Trout Unlimited and, and QDMA and, you know, Whitetail. It, it, they, they walk their talk. And Johnny is just such not only a shrewd businessman, but he is a, a passionate, genuine, sincere conservationist. And he loves nothing more than to see young kids running around that store getting excited about reconnecting with Mother Nature uh, in, in, in a hunting or fishing or hiking or ATVing way. Whatever, whatever flavor they like, he's interested and invested in the future of conservation. And... Um, and so I've had an, a few opportunities. Uh, he serves on the board of our Wetlands America Trust. He helps guide uh, our long-term strategy and thinking about Ducks Unlimited and, and the broader conservation agenda. He's widely respected on Capitol Hill on all things conservation-related, and uh, and he's just so generous. Uh, he, he and his entire family. And so when I think about uh, the impact that he's had on navigating the change in demographics with fewer people purchasing hunting and fishing licenses, navigating the change in the retail industry from uh, bricks and mortar to online and catalogs. When I think about uh, how he's helping us navigate the same demographic challenges that he faces in retail that we face in the conservation community, particularly when it comes to R3 and capturing and educating and energizing the next generation of hunters, anglers, and conservationists. Uh, he's in a league of his own, and we're just so grateful for his support and for his friendship. Yeah, well, he uh, is everything that you've just, just outlined. In fact, he's over in the Bahamas right now providing Christmas for 20,000 kids that, you know, their families, their homes, their businesses devastated by Hurricane Dorian. And he brought over some of those very, very things you talked about, introduced them with, with some archery and, and some shooting games that, uh, you know, and, and, and fun kinds of things, but giving them Christmas. I mean, he put together, you know, uh, just so many things, so many sponsors. He's raised over $5 million to help restore in, in some small way, uh, a life, uh, a time for, for these people and, uh, yeah, I just can't say enough. We're going to run out of time because there's so much to talk about. Adam, I understand that NACA is celebrating its 30th anniversary of the program. What does NACA mean to DU and, and the work that you do across North America? So NACA is the North American Wetlands Conservation Act. It's celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. And NACA, <clears throat> uh, which is our shorthand for that, is a partnership. Uh 
it takes, uh, it leverages private sector dollars with public sector dollars to restore wetlands all over North America. Uh, you know, ducks and other waterfowl are migratory animals. But, you know, they don't, they don't recognize the border between, uh, you know, the Canadian prairie and the U.S. prairie. And, and so uh, NACA recognizes that we need to work collaboratively across national boundaries, and it recognizes that we need to work collaboratively between state wildlife agencies, federal wildlife agencies, and the private sector, farmers and ranchers and organizations like Ducks Unlimited. And so <clears throat> NACA is uh, essential uh, to Ducks Unlimited really being able to uh, amplify the work that we do. So when you go to a DU banquet and you buy a raffle ticket so that you can hopefully go home with a new shotgun or a, a new headlamp, or if you're like me and you don't ever win anything big, you, you're lucky to win a thermocell replacement cartridge. <laughs> but um, we, we take the dollar from that raffle ticket. We may match it with your state wildlife agency's dollar, who may match it then with U.S. Fish and Wildlife's dollar, and suddenly your raffle ticket, your $1 contribution to conservation may turn into $3, $3.50, maybe even $4, depending on where we're doing the work, to restore habitat, protect wetlands, and ultimately uh, grow more ducks. And the proof is in this science report that came out couple of months ago now, that indicated that the bird population in North America has fallen by a third in 50 years with two exceptions, waterfowl and raptors. And waterfowl populations in North America have climbed 53% in part because of the habitat work of Ducks Unlimited and the partnership that we have with U.S. Fish and Wildlife through NACA. And uh, we're just so excited about uh, the work. It's a bipartisan-supported initiative, and uh, we're grateful for all the leaders that we have in Congress who are helping reauthorize it and fund it. Look, we're going to have to take our break right here. I want to come back to NACA when we come back from the break. Folks, we're going to continue our visit with Adam, this, and so much more coming right up. I'm Rob Keck, and you're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. We'll be right back. Sirius XM's Rural Radio, your gateway to the rural lifestyle. This is Rob Keck, host of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, with the latest information about hunting, fishing, and more. This is Janet Atkinson, host of FFA Today, your in-depth look at the nation's premier youth organization. Get connected with Real Ag Radio. This is Sean Haney. We'll talk markets, agronomy, machinery, and cover the real-time issues affecting farmers and ranchers in all of North America. Rural Radio, Sirius XM 147, or listen on the Sirius XM app. Concerned about your local quail populations? Do you care about wildlife, the environment, and our outdoor heritage? Join Quail Forever today and make a difference for wildlife in your area. Quail Forever empowers local chapters with the tools to improve habitat for your area's quail populations. To join or start your own local Quail Forever chapter, contact the Quail Forever National Headquarters toll-free at 1-866-457-8245 or on the web at www.quailforever.org. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you just tuned in, I want to say thanks. Thanks for joining us here in the second half hour. And we're privileged to have with us the CEO of Ducks Unlimited, Adam Putnam. You know, Adam, we were talking about 
NACA right before the break, and uh, the House just passed a bill to reauthorize NACA, and it's headed to the Senate. What can we as voters do to encourage our senators to vote in favor of reauthorization? Well, you know, the really cool thing about this, and we were talking about this briefly before the break, uh, conservation is bipartisan, brother. And uh, the reauthorization of the North American Wetlands Conservation Act came out of the House on a voice vote and unanimous. Now, with everything going on in Washington, they're lucky to get a Mother's Day resolution out of there on a voice vote unanimous. And we're passing conservation language that way. Uh, It's now in the Senate's lap. We expect that the Senate... um, probably will uh, take up the reauthorization after the first of the year. I don't think they're going to get to it before the holiday, but um, but they are going to get to the funding of it, the appropriations piece of it, as part of, a, of what they have to do to fund the government. And we expect that they will uh, not only fund it at last year's level, but maybe even a little bit higher. Uh, we're expecting somewhere around $46 million uh, to go into NACA from the Senate and uh, and building on what the House has done. And they may do that uh, even before they adjourn for Christmas. Yeah, well, I sure hope so. Well, look, Adam, you know, while we're discussing uh, legislation, why don't you explain to our listeners the importance of the Farm Bill to Ducks Unlimited and maybe conservation in general? You know, I'm happy to do that. Um, In my former life, I worked on two farm bills as a member of Congress. And, um, you know, a a nation uh, has to be able to feed itself to be free. And the farm bill is really designed to make sure that, uh, that food security is a national security issue. But part and parcel of that is conservation. And a big piece of the farm bill involves working with landowners, America's farmers and ranchers, who are both feeding the world and really uh, they're the private property owners uh, where most of the game species and even endangered and threatened species live. They, they thrive. They live side by side in terms of producing the food and fiber that we need and the habitat uh, for everything from ducks to wild turkeys to quail and, and whitetail and mule deer. So, and, and right on through, that's obviously just a small smattering of, uh, of what we're talking about here. So the conservation portion of the Farm Bill is essential because it creates the framework for those partnerships where farmers are uh, recognized, rewarded uh, for either changing their cultivation practices or leaving behind uh, marginal uh, agricultural lands, land that if they cleared it, and drained it, uh, it really wouldn't be producing a whole lot anyway when you, when you factored in the costs of fertilizer and other inputs. So leave that in its natural state to be habitat for wildlife water recharge, protecting the soil from erosion, uh, and, and, and a number of other uh, beneficial factors that society benefits from, and embedding that in that agricultural practice. You know, we've got agronomists who work for Ducks Unlimited who work with farmers in the Great Plains because we believe that conservation not only is something that is a part of the stewardship ethic, it's good business. And the conservation title of the Farm Bill embeds those good business practices that are also good for conservation into America's farm policy. Well, look, just last week, uh, the new director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service was confirmed by the Senate. And I understand that you and your team spent some time with Ms. Skipwith earlier in the week. Uh, 
If you don't mind, I want to ask you, what did you discuss with her? And, and looking forward, how important is it that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and Ducks Unlimited work closely together? It's essential uh, that uh, a conservation organization like ours at Ducks Unlimited has a strong relationship with U.S. Fish and Wildlife. U.S. Fish and Wildlife provides the science. They set the regulatory structure. They manage our uh, world-class refuge system. They're an essential partner uh, in policy and in funding uh, for the work that we do all across uh, the United States. And uh, Director Skipwith is... Uh, an extraordinarily talented uh, leader for that organization. She's open. She's accessible. She's a good listener. She's a quick study. She's shown a willingness to get out of the bubble in D.C. and really see what's going on in the refuges and on the ground and in the marsh and on the prairies and in the coastal bottomlands in uh, in the Delta. Uh, we find that she is someone that has good walking around sense. She's just got a good common sense and a problem-solving attitude, which is refreshing and inspiring in, um, in, in, in the federal government. And we're just thrilled that she was confirmed, and, and we look forward to an even stronger working relationship with her. Just last week, we were with her at the, um, the celebration of the 30th anniversary of NACA, and um, and looking for ways to to build on that progress, expand it, and make sure that that legacies like that are in place for future generations. Yeah. Well, look, here, before we take our next break, I want to get this in here. As you know, we had Secretary Sonny Perdue on this show just earlier. And, uh, you know, given your background in farming and ranching, how important is it? How important is agriculture, and particularly farmers and ranchers, to the work that Ducks Unlimited does across North America? And I know you've touched on that just a little bit, but give us a little bit more. We can't do our work without a partnership with America's farmers and ranchers. Uh, You know, the, the ability to work with the men and women who own the land and work the land all across this continent uh, where the habitat actually is. I mean, you think about where's the habitat? Well, it's on, it's on government-owned lands like refuges and parks and national forests and state lands. It's on tribal lands, and it's on agricultural lands. So it's essential for us to be able to sit on the back of the tailgate uh, with a farmer or rancher and walk through uh, the issues related to protecting waterfowl habitat to grow more ducks, uh, as well as working with the farmer to make sure that their sustainability program, which is being in business and having a farm or ranch to pass to the next generation, is a viable uh, option for them. And and so we see this as a two-way street. They're our essential partners. Uh, we know that farmers and ranchers are the original conservationists, just like hunters. And uh, and we're proud of that relationship and, and proud of how strong that relationship is. Yeah, well, look, we're out of time in this segment, but I do want to just touch on the fact that your experience in agriculture, I know, has had to play a big role. And, you know, now as as you are in that position of CEO of Ducks Unlimited, we come back and want you just to talk briefly about that. And then we've got some other things. But, folks, before we return, going to continue our visit with Adam. This and a whole lot more coming right up. And I'm Rob Keck, your host, right here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And we will be right back. Today's hunters are facing some real challenges. Nationally, we lose 6,000 acres of upland habitat every day. Hunter numbers are not keeping pace with population growth. Each of these puts our hunting lifestyle in danger. With your help, 
The National Wild Turkey Federation is tackling these challenges head on with its Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative. Our volunteers have committed to increase wild turkey populations and protect our hunting heritage by improving 4 million acres of habitat, creating 1.5 million new hunters and opening half a million new acres to public hunting. Join the NWTF today to help make these bold goals a reality. Visit nwtf.org for more information and to find out how you can help protect our way of life. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, and thanks for joining us. And if you've just tuned in, we're visiting with the CEO of Ducks Unlimited, Adam Putnam. Right there before the break, uh, you know, I mentioned about your experience in agriculture, vast. I mean, uh, as a farmer and, of course, working on two farm bills, how is that helping you in your role as the CEO leading uh, Ducks Unlimited? Well, you know, being a farmer is a lot different than reading about being a farmer. And as a fifth-generation <laughs> rancher and citrus grower, I understand the challenges that are out there, how, you know, the drop-in temperature the uh, uptick in the rain gauge, the uh, shift in the winds, you know, that's not just a meteorological anomaly. That's affecting the bottom line. And uh, so, uh, you know, my my experience uh, as a lifelong farmer and rancher, I believe, is essential in helping us strengthen the partnership that Ducks Unlimited has with farmers and ranchers all across the continent. You know, agriculture is not a monolithic industry. You know, we're, we're growing in, in Florida alone, we grew 300 different commodities. And so our relationship with a rice farmer is going to have a different dynamic than our relationship with a wheat farmer, a livestock grower, or a, or a, or a soybean grower in the Great Plains, uh, just to give a couple of different examples. And so understanding the nuance of that, understanding what drives the dynamics in a family-owned business where you may have three or even four generations uh, out at the farm, living on the farm, every life revolves around that. You don't clock out at 5 o'clock. Understanding what it means <laughs> to try to have that intergenerational play uh, between the grandfather and the granddaughter uh, about the future of the operation and how you adapt and change, uh, understanding how we can shift business practices on the farm in a way that's good for the bottom line and good for the ducks. These are all uh, real-world experiences that I'm bringing from my background as a, as a farmer and rancher to my role at Ducks Unlimited and, and just reinforcing every day that conservation and agriculture are shoulder-to-shoulder. Man, powerful, powerful words, and uh, I'm just so proud of you being in that position. Well, Adam, I understand Ducks Unlimited is putting together an expo. Why don't you share with us about that event? Man, I had a preview of that thing, and it is off the charts. Just quickly share a little bit about that. Man, this is going to be an outdoor extravaganza. It's going to be so fun. Uh, it's going to be in May at the Texas Motor Speedway. It's going to, we call it DUX, the Ducks Unlimited Expo. <laughs> May 17th through the 20th. Mark your calendars. We're going to have a hands-on event where you can try before you buy. We're going to have an archery village. We're going to have a biking and camping and conservation, dog, 4x4 off-road track, ATVs, uh, you know, 
Bass Pro is going to have ATVs out there for you to drive and, and do an off-road course and decide which model you want to purchase. You're going to be able to uh, to try firearms, uh, shoot those firearms, uh, purchase those firearms. You're going to have the opportunity to, to put on a do- uh, observe a dog show put on by Purina. It's a family-friendly event. Uh, this is all about getting folks excited uh, bringing their kids, uh, introducing them to these different uh, opportunities. Uh, it is just going to be so much fun and a celebration of all things outdoors. Again, May 17th at the Texas Motor Speedway. And you can check out our website at duckexpo.com to learn more. But uh, if you're looking for that last-minute stocking stuffer, make it a ticket to the DUX Expo. Man, look forward to that for sure. Well, look, duck numbers, uh, you know, what? what's the fall flight look like here? Just very quickly, if you would. You know, we're looking at a, a much better year than last year, but that's a low bar. Uh, you know, last year was just such a tough year for waterfowlers. Uh, this year is more of an average year, so it's up considerably from last year. It's not a blowout year. The original survey was down a little bit uh, from the average, but we are seeing some uh, some successful hunts uh, throughout the flyways. Uh, these are, uh, you know, really positive uh, numbers. We had that early cold snap that uh, shut down some of the hunting uh, in the upper plains earlier than normal. But uh, seeing good, good numbers of greenheads showing up throughout the Mississippi Delta, the Central Flyway. I was in the Central, uh, in the Pacific Flyway in the Central Valley of California last week. A lot of good birds out there. Tons of pintails, uh, which of course have a, a one bird limit out there. But uh, we are just seeing a good mixed bag of species in showing up in good numbers. And uh, if, if you haven't had the opportunity to knock the dust off your barrel, get out there and, uh, and, and bring a kid with you when you go to the woods and see if you can't come home with a Christmas duck. Yeah, hey, I did that this week, and I'll tell you, they flew really, really well. Look, we've got listeners out there that may want to join, become part of a chapter. How would they find out more about Ducks Unlimited? Well, I'm glad you asked, Rob. Go to go to ducks.org, D-U-C-K-S, ducks.org, and it makes a great Christmas present, and it's the right thing to do for conservation. For $35, you can become a member of Ducks Unlimited. You can sign up your kids in the Green Wing program. You can support not only the heritage and the tradition and the lifestyle that we all love, but you're investing in habitat that will grow more waterfowl and support more wildlife for generations to come. And that's a legacy we can all be proud of. So check out our website at ducks.org. Great. How about sharing a final thought with us here in the last 30 seconds, if you would? Well, I can't thank you enough for having me on and what you do to spread the good word. But the important thing is for all of us to spread our passion for conservation, for hunting and angling with the next generation. Get them unplugged. Get them off their devices. Get them unplugged from the artificial reality and plug them in to the great outdoors. Let them watch that beautiful sunrise and the marsh wake up or the uh, lake or the river come alive. Take a kid outside and, uh, and help us invest in the future of conservation by getting the next generation involved today. So proud of you. Great words to live by. Adam, thanks for your time today. Thanks for your conservation leadership. And I wish you and Ducks Unlimited all the very best in the new year. 
Merry Christmas to you. In our final segment, we're going to meet up with Sportsman's Channel, the sporting chef himself, Scott Laseth, and he is going to share his recipe for duck tacos and a whole lot more. You're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. This is Rob Keck, and we will be right back. We all have it. Whether it was passed down from our fathers or grandfathers, we knew it was there, inside us. That need, that longing to walk among the wild. But it's more than just our love of the outdoors that keeps us coming back. It's knowing we serve a purpose, to give more than we take. That we're here to carry on a legacy and become stewards of our wildlife. This place embodies that legacy with over a mile and a half of walkable trails and 35,000 live fish, mammals, reptiles, amphibians, and birds to teach and inspire. Stop and you'll feel it. Listen and you'll hear it. Asking you to share the wonder. The Wonders of Wildlife National Museum and Aquarium. Share the wonder. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. Welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And I am here at the South Carolina Waterfowl Association's Duck Camp at Camp Woody. And I am in the kitchen right now with none other. My good friend, he's been on the show before, the host of Dead Meat and the sporting chef, Scott Laseth. And I am so excited because... I can't picture a Californian being here in South Carolina and in the kitchen. Scott, welcome back to Outdoor World Radio. Good to be back, Rob. And you know, I've been a big supporter of the South Carolina Waterfowl Association for 20-some-odd years. I sent my kid from California to go to camp here because you can have more fun here in South Carolina. Yeah, for sure. Well, look, I'm here in the kitchen. We're serving breakfast. Just came in from a great duck hunt. And I can tell you, the temperatures dropped was in the mid-30s. Winds 15 to 20 out of the northwest. Ducks flew. Ducks fell. And let me tell you, we are here in the kitchen to take it to the next step. You know, so many people ask, how do you fix a duck to eat? Tell us about it. we got duck cutters listening right now. Well, the biggest mistake, as you know, that people make with their waterfowl is that they tend to overcook it. And so what I'm making today, I've got a very simple duck burrito. I've taken duck breasts, and I brine them in high mountain brine. If you don't have the high mountain brine, just use a gallon of water, a cup each of kosher salt or any kind of coarse salt and brown sugar. You want to get whatever blood-like juice is in there, and it's just like when you're brining your Thanksgiving turkey. It makes it more, more tender, makes it more mild, and gives it a little bit more moisture. So... You take those duck breasts, you season them after you brine them, you slap them on the grill. Got some peppers, onions, cotija cheese, some queso fresco, all wrapped up in a big giant flour tortilla. And so far, I think people are more used to eating fried pork chops and gravy, but we'll see how this works out. <laughs> well, you know, in the South, we have those big old country breakfasts with pork chops and gravy and biscuits and, you know, sausage and you name it. But, you know, to have ducks, you know, a lot of guys I hear, they said, well, I'm going to go take and breast my ducks out. But I'm looking here in this one container, and I see 
legs and wings, and uh, tell us about what's in there. Well, what most people do is, like you said, they breast out their ducks, their turkey, their pheasant, whatever it is, and they throw the rest away. That's criminal. It is. You are wasting some really, really good protein. So with a duck, for instance, on those bigger ducks, if you save those legs and you brown them and braise them, you put them into about a 300-degree oven with some celery, carrot, onion, cover it up, leave it in there for about two and a half to three hours, and those duck legs, the meat is going to start falling off the bone, get it before it falls off the bone, cool it off, and when you're grilling those duck breasts, throw those legs on, the meat comes right off the bone, it's just like eating a chicken wing, and your friends will say, what in the heck did you do to these legs? Because I can actually eat them now. You know, Scott, when I walked in here, I'm looking at these big tortillas, and you said you're making duck tacos. Well, here you go, guys. Take uh, different kinds of bell pepper, onion, garlic. You want to saute that real quick. You've got some scrambled eggs. The duck breast are sliced thinly. They've been brined and seasoned and not overcooked. And what's cool about this, you can take this duck burrito or duck taco, wrap it up, wrap it in foil, stick it in a coffee can, put three or four of them in there so that maintains its heat. Put it into a coffee can, stick it in your pack, and when you're out in the blind, you can pull out this warm little duck burrito, duck snack in the morning. I actually did that one in the Ducks Unlimited magazine a couple of years ago. Wow. It's a good one. You know, deer season's still in in many parts of the country, and I saw it looked like a venison cube steak. Uh, what, tell us about that one. With the cube steak, what a lot of people do with their hindquarter muscles, and what, what's really good about running it through a cuber like that is it's going to make it more tender. Absolutely. If you don't have a cuber, all you need to do is cut that, those hindquarter muscles into big chunks and just whale on it a little bit with a mallet and then flatten it out with a cast iron skillet, and you too can have cube steak without having to run it through a cuber. But whenever you've got something that's a tougher cut, like a hindquarter, shoulder, that kind of stuff, you got to make it tender, whether it's slow cooking or whaling on it with a mallet. All right, tell us very quickly about the Sportsman's Channel. You've got two great shows, Dead Meat, The Sporting Chef. Tell us about those, when they can find them, where they can find them. Dead Meat is on Saturdays at 2 and 9 Eastern Time on Sportsman Channel. Dead Meat show is more about... Uh, the food, the, the food less eaten. Have you had uh, python? No. You've had muskrat, I'm sure, right? I have. I've trapped lots muskrat, of muskrat. python, armadillo, the only animal that Get can transmit leprosy to humans. We cooked it, but you want to make sure you cook your armadillo all the way oh through. Oh, my gosh. So, that's, so the Dead Meat Show is third and fourth quarter on Sportsman Channel starting in January. First and second quarter is the Sporting Chef where we cook just regular old fish and game. One last thing. You know, it's holiday season. And a lot of sportsmen, a lot of hunters and anglers, they like to serve up some of the harvest that they've had during this fall season. And they pre present it in a variety of ways, a lot of times with hors d'oeuvres. Give us just a, a few very, very quick examples of what they might do with fall harvested wild meat. You know, I like to sneak it into side dishes, whether it's you can make little crispy pieces out of duck and deer and flash it really fast, put it in with your wild rice. Um, what you don't want to do is put a whole duck in front of somebody and say, have at it, because all it's going to do is slide off the plate and into their lap. You want to make yep. sure it's presented properly. There you go. Take a little fresh cranberries, sugar, and balsamic vinegar. Reduce that down and make a cranberry sauce. Put that on top of your duck and deer. It's holiday-like, and people will eat it up. There you go, folks. Well, look, Scott, great to be with you. What, what a chance meeting here. <laughs> I mean, from California to South Carolina, coast to coast, just wish you well. Keep giving us those good recipes because... 
you know, this wild meat, this wild harvest is certainly nutritious. It's good for everybody. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun, too, to tell the stories that sure. how you took them. Scott, thanks for joining us right here. Folks, you're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And that's Scott Lace at The Sporting Chef. Folks, that's going to wrap it up right here in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. We'll be back next week, same time, 10 Eastern, 9 Central, another show you won't want to miss. Till then, I'm Rob Keck on behalf of Bass Pro Shops, where your adventure always starts right here. Thanks for answering the call. That call to preserving a rich hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. Merry Christmas. This has been Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, talking all things outdoors, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, your outdoor leader. Join us next Saturday and every Saturday for more special guests and unique locations.